If Jesus is the Lord of your life, why don't you tell him so with your mouth for a moment. Let's just thank you for his goodness and his grace, his faithfulness. Grateful for our King Jesus, ever-present help in time of need. Sneak it up on me. Everybody good? Good to see you. Looking good today. Can we welcome the plaza location right now as we're linking together? We love you very much. Everybody online, we're glad you're joining us. We know God's got something good for you. And for the men of Lansing Correctional Facility, we love you very much. I believe God's gonna speak to you today. Hey, while we're still standing just for a moment, uh, you did not know, but now you know. We are kicking off one week of prayer starting today. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a prayer push. And we're gonna take a week to push into the presence of God. Before we go into the fall, in a transition season, every year we wanna spend some time just seeking after God's face, after God's best, and so I wanna invite you to join us. Even if you're online, the men of Lansing as well, we're gonna pray every single day for this week. And so we're gonna to gather together starting tonight on the plaza, one hour of prayer. Wednesday, we'll be right here in this room up north. One hour of prayer. Saturday, back on the plaza, one hour of prayer. But we're praying all week long, all week strong, going after God. It's a week of pursuit. And so you've got a card that gives you kind of the focus for the day, because we believe when we pray, God goes to work. And when we pray in unity, when we pray together, there's even greater power. There's a multiplication effort to our prayer. And we don't want just another fall. Our kids don't need just another semester at school. Uh, we don't want just the same old, same old. We want to see heaven show up in our lives, in our city, in our church. And so we're going to contend for all that God has as we pray. You don't know how to pray. Haven't been a person in prayer. We'll see you tonight, 6.30 on the plaza. 6 o'clock on the plaza. We're going to pray tonight together. Amen? Amen. Give a high five to your neighbor or fist bump, grab your seat. We're gonna jump into the Word today. And I got a message. Uh, it's a little out of the ordinary because we're gonna talk about miracles. Miracles. God's power invading our problems. God's plan showing up in our situation. God's touch, the hand of heaven, helping our church your family, your marriage, your career, your neighbor, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, our city, this nation, why not believe that the God who says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore did miracles in the Old Testament, through the life of Jesus, in the apostles, why not through his people now? Miracles. If you need a miracle, came to the right place today. If you don't need a miracle, one day you will. If you uh, don't need a miracle, maybe someone around you needs a miracle. We don't just receive the miracles. We are the miracles for other people because we believe people are the promised land. There's just a moment. There's moments where God's divine presence, divine power goes to work in our world. Some church cultures, when he said, hey, maybe, maybe we should pray for healing. And they're like, sure, sure. oh, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. We're just going to pray God's will. And I understand that's a powerful prayer. Jesus prayed, let, let your will be done. Let me tell you about the will of God for your life. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. 
It is not problems, pain, and struggle. That's a part of this broken world. But guess what? We live in this world. We're not of this world. We got a divine inheritance and connection with a God that still goes to work. Some churches don't talk about it. Some churches only talk about it. We like to walk with the word, live a life for Jesus. Jesus was the word that became flesh, so God's words are our ways. But when we need heaven to show up, when we need God's divine help, we can call upon him and believe and contend for something outside of our natural ability. I never wanted to create a church that didn't close off the pathways to experience the open avenue of the God of the impossible showing up in problems. We believe God is still at work. And so we're gonna get him to work in our own life. Believing for some, some of you are gonna believe for things you haven't believed for in a long time. Like you've given up on it, we're gonna believe again. And also I wanna set the stage for these next couple of weeks as we enter into what I believe is a miracle season for us as a church family. So it's miracles for you, it's miracles for us together collectively. Uh, we, we're declaring kingdom come in this season. That this is a house of miracles. We've got a south location to build out that we now own. Can we just praise Jesus that we are owners of a building? But we, we want to be a part of the miracle that God wants to do in this house and in your life. I'm going to give you today, uh, how, about, how about this, a practical message about God's unbelievable power. How do we prepare ourselves in a place where we can be at that, that place where heaven Heaven shows up here on the earth. I'm gonna give you four moves towards a miracle. Four moves towards a miracle. Can we all handle four things? Are you sure? We're gonna learn to lean into the place where heaven and earth collide, amen? Come on, let's pray. Everyone online, everyone on the plaza, let's pray. God, we thank you, you're still working miracles. Greatest miracle of all, resurrection power. Jesus went to the cross. You didn't love us at a distance, you came close. So we're inviting you to come close again. We know you're here. Remind us again, you're close. That wherever Jesus is, there's resurrection power. So we lean into his power. I pray miracles over marriages. I pray miracles over impossible situations. I pray miracles over resource. I pray miracles and signs and wonders over people that need healing and restoration. Inside of the body, outside of the body. Lord, I thank you, you are a miracle working God. And so we lean into your word and we don't listen or, or, or watch with a critical perspective. We just think with you, God, all things are possible to him who believes. Help us believe. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to hear the testimony after testimony of your power at work because you love your people. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, can I get an amen? amen. Come on, rowdy amen. Four moves towards a miracle. Someday, you're gonna need one. All right, let's, let's tell the truth at church real quick. Plaza, everybody, everybody. Even if you're sitting alone watching on YouTube right now, just participate with us. Have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever experienced a miracle? How many would say, I had an impossible situation that God turned around? Why don't you raise your hand? Come on, raise your hand. Show everybody. Come on. How about someone in your family? Someone in your household? Come on. Almost every hand is up. That is a testimony for our, our theology, for our belief that God still divinely intervenes in our situation. Someday you're gonna need a miracle. Maybe it's a health miracle. Maybe it's a relationship 
miracle with your kids or your spouse. Maybe it's a financial miracle where you can't see a way forward. And our lives are filled with these crossroads where we no longer have the ability to solve the situation. And it's in these moments of pivot where we can just stop and do nothing or we can make a move. We can make a divine move. It gets us closer to the kind of place where it gets a little hazy between heaven and earth, where it gets to that place where we're on the front foot leaning in, leveraging our faith and our natural ability for his supernatural ability, for his divine power. And there's going to come a place where we're going to need the power of God. We're going to look at a miracle today in the book of Mark. It's a well-known miracle. It's a miracle you, even if you didn't grow up in church, have probably heard about. In fact, it is a famous miracle. In fact, it's so famous, miracle of Jesus, that it's in all four of the Gospels. It's the only miracle in all four of the Gospels. How many parents out there know if you've got to tell your kids to do something four times? It's pretty important. In the same way, our Heavenly Father had to tell us four times this was something unique. This was something special. I want you to learn the lesson of this miracle. It's commonly called the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It was a moment where people were coming to Jesus. They were hungry, and Jesus supernaturally fed them in their place of need. Now, really, there was more than 5,000 people there. The Bible said there was 5,000 men there. So how many know women go to church more than men? How many know they bring their kids with them? There was more than 5,000 there. There could have been 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people there. And Jesus fed them all, which is one young guy's Lunchable. How many have plans this year, families, to feed your kids the healthiest meals every lunch when they went to school? And it's already one weekend and you've gone to Lunchables. At least Lunchables are consistent. And Jesus did one of his most famous works. And here's why it was famous. Because thousands upon thousands of people saw it and were blessed by it. Now, Jesus doesn't do all of his miracles in public view. Sometimes he does a one-on-one. Sometimes it's with a small group of people. In fact, sometimes Jesus even does a miracle and says, shh, don't tell anybody. But for some reason, God wanted this miracle on display. And I think it's because he wants to teach us that not only does a miracle in the small moment, like you need a mental health miracle in your life, just peace of mind, he can do that. And then sometimes God does a miracle that's just too big for one person. I want both. I want you to experience a miracle for your own life and be a part of the miracle for the thousands, the thousands that need help, the thousands that are, are hungry. Because I don't think, nothing quite gives God glory like a, a public miracle. Now, Jesus isn't into showing off, but Jesus is into helping people. Why did Jesus do this miracle? Because people had a need, and God cares about your needs. He cares about your single need. He cares about humanity's needs. Why does he do that? Because he loves you. It demonstrates the heart of the Father. Everything you see Jesus do is what God would do. He's the uh, visual representation of the unseen God. So if we're feeding hungry people in the name of Jesus... It's a miracle that we do because God loves people. And listen, you can hear God loves people, and it's general. Let me get real specific. God loves you. God loves you. The problem where you need help, 
the place of pain might have been of your own doing. God has a miracle for you. He does not hold your issues and your hang-ups and, and, and your wrong turns against you. He still will do a miracle on that because your God loves you. Mark chapter six, if you got your Bibles, open them up. If not, join us on the screen. When Jesus saw a large crowd, how I many know Jesus did the one-on-one -on -one thing, but Jesus also goes macro, Jesus goes large. Why did he do something, why? He had compassion on them. Your God is compassionate about you. And so he began teaching them. By this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and said, hey, this is a remote place. This place is desolate, it's barren, it's a, it's a desert. Send the people away so they can go buy something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. It's like, that's their problem, but you're the solution. And the disciples were like, uh, let me check my Apple Pay. I, no one can do that. That, that would be eight months of a man's wages. They, they come with an excuse. So here's Jesus, he's got this, uh, this crowd that needs help. Now we haven't heard it, has Jesus done a single miracle yet? Like healing miracle, no. Like they've just been taught and Jesus wants to teach us. Uh, we're learning from him even right now. But Jesus says, hey, this thing isn't over yet. I know it's late in the day, but there's more that I wanna do. There's more I wanna speak into their life. There's more that I wanna, problems I wanna be a part of the solution. So even though they are getting hangry, like if I keep preaching too long here today, some of you will get hangry. No, they, they, Jesus here's in the middle of the desert and they've got, a, they've got a problem. Now we know John the Baptist lived in the middle of the desert and he ate, uh, he ate locust. There's all sorts of diets out there. There's keto, but when it comes to locusts, there's, how about no, that's a heck no for me. <laughs> I saw this uh, article recently. It was like, the future of sustainable protein is crickets. And I was like, Lord, rapture us now. <laughs> that is not my future in Jesus' name. But the people have the problem and there needs to be a solution. And I wanna give you four steps that we can learn from this situation. Very practical help about a very spiritual thing that I think can help you. The first one is this, you gotta learn to get out the way. You gotta learn to get out of the way. In other words, you gotta get to the end of self-reliance. If you're going to see God go to work, there's just some things that you get to the point where you can't do anything else about it. In other words, you have to admit, God, I need your help. Jesus, I need you to show up in this situation. Because if you could solve it on your own, that ain't a miracle. Now, some things you just need to go and solve on your own. But I would hope and believe that we'd be the kind of followers of Jesus that we'd find ourselves sometimes on a front line of a problem we can't fix. And if you haven't been to the place where you're out of the ability to achieve what's in your heart, I promise you, you're not living by faith. Because all of us should be some place of our life where we've got to have God show up. And God loves to work through this thing that we don't love all that much called humility. That when we come with a problem, we realize this is bigger, this is bigger than us. Jesus says throughout the gospel, ask and it shall be given to you. In fact, over 20 times in the New Testament, we are commanded to be the people that ask. 
What are we gonna do this week when we pray together as a church family? We're gonna ask. We're going to ask for God to do something that we can't do on our own. The Bible says it's humility before honor. Humility before honor. That word honor in the Hebrew means kabat. It literally means glorious. In other words, if you humble out, you're, that's the, the precursor to something glorious. When you come to God and you say, hey God, I can't fix this problem. I gotta have your help. I need your direction. I need your wisdom. I need your peace in my inside world. I need your help with my marriage. I need help raising these kids. My career has stalled out. I'm not hitting my quotas and sales. God, I, can't, I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. In that place of hu humility, there's glory. The glory of God shows up because it's humility before honor. And I want every one of us to be in a place where we're trying to accomplish something that is bigger than our own abilities. In high school, uh, you could probably guess this, but I kind of had a big mouth. Uh, I, I, I had the ability to say whatever I wanted to say whenever I wanted to say it. And God has turned what the enemy meant for evil for good, because now I preach <laughs> and for the most part, say what I want to say. Now I would do that, not because I was all that big. I did that because I had big friends. I was the captain, kicker, of the football team. I was on the basketball team. I had the biggest friends in the school. So my mouth could write checks that I personally couldn't check, cash, but I had a bank account of besties that were bigger than me. What am I trying to say? Get to a place where you're believing for something that's bigger than you. Why don't we pick some fights? Not with other Christians, not with unbelievers, but with principalities and powers and rulers of the air, with problems in our city, with problems in our nation that need spiritual solution. Why don't we speak up every once in a while and say, no, our schools aren't crumbling. Our marriages aren't falling apart. We're going after God's best. My career hasn't stalled out. Maybe I don't have the education, but I've got access granted to the king of heaven. I'm going to go after something bigger. I'm going to believe for more. Why? Because I've got Jesus with me. The disciples forgot they had Jesus with them. What do we normally do? We normally wait. That's what they did. They waited until it was the end of the day. We, we're going to ignore the situation until it goes away. Some of you, like, you put off your homework to the last minute. You put off the, the, the prayer time until it feels like it's too late. Then we blame. The, the disciples didn't necessarily point fingers, but they were saying, send the people away. They didn't bring a lunch. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't prepare. How, how many know that's not the heart of God? How many, don't get mad at someone else for their situation. Be solution even in our city, even in your own world. And then we tend to, after we wait and after we blame, we tend, we tend to worry. Okay, well, I, I don't know what to do. Well, the Bible says, Philippians 4, we don't worry about anything. But we pray about everything. Now, there's always options to worry. Same opportunity to pray. And it says pray about everything. Why? Because God's interested in your everything. The miracles aren't just for people with cancer. The miracles aren't just for people who are separated from a spouse. The miracles aren't just for people who don't know how they're gonna pay their bills. They're for every part of your life you can have God's power. 
And so they finally come to Jesus, but they only come with the problem. And they haven't figured out how it's going to play out. Just send them away. Just get rid of them. But even the devil knew that this was the guy that can turn stones to bread. Like, I wonder, like Jesus standing right there. And they're, 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 they've already come up with the solution that they gotta, they got to stop the good thing that God is doing. I wonder if some of us, like our enemy, our adversary, the devil, does he have more faith in Jesus than we do? If he knows that he can make the stones to bread, what, what do we really know? Why, why are we waiting? Why are we blaming? Why are we worried? Well, we've got Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. And if there's a, a plan of heaven for a, a, a hurtful situation, a harmful situation, why do we not go to the one who's already there? We gotta get out of the way. End of self-reliance. Admit your need for help. Secondly, this is the part where you have to play. You gotta get yourself in order. Because I do believe this, that when we take a step of obedience, God shows up with supernatural grace. That there's some things that you've got to get in order. I've learned over the years that God always starts with what I do have and what I can do before he does something that I can't do and brings to me something I don't have. There's always a step of not just a prayer and a wink and a secret handshake with God and then I get him to do it. No, normally he asks me to use what I got. There's usually an action step involved. And we would call that stewardship. Did I steward the opportunity? Have I stewarded my own talent in a right way to get the promotion that I'm believing God for? Have I loved or forgiven my wife or have raised, did my best to raise my kids? Have I, have I done in the natural what I can do so that all that's left to do is the supernatural? I think about when the prophet Elisha goes to the woman uh, who's pouring out oil. Liz preached about this recently. And, and what she had to do was pour out what she did have a little into containers that weren't full, that were a lot. And as she poured it out, what did God do? He blessed her supernaturally. God increased her financially by increasing her capacity. But it wasn't just get an empty container and sit back. No, it was the action step of, will you be willing to pour out what you do have? Moses, throw down your staff. Staff represents control and comfort. It represents his career. Was he willing to lay that down? for God to show him something even better. Peter needs to pay the temple tax. Jesus says, go catch a fish. Which husbands, if you're looking for a reason to go fishing, just say, God told me. What does he use? Jesus, he gets the gold coin, crazy miracle. Jesus actually used his talent and giftedness to do something naturally and produce a supernatural volume. Jesus says, you feed him. If God has ever asked you to do something impossible with the little that you have, oh, I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. I don't have the resource. I don't have the time. God is using that natural step to stretch your faith. Get what you have in order. Let me tell you about a natural slash supernatural miracle. From COVID up to this moment, House of Hope has fed well over 2 million meals. Just as last week, 20, 23,000 meals. We were out there. I mean, did, did God just deliver all those groceries supernaturally? No. I worn out today still 
because it was hot out there. There was a natural part to it. Naturally speaking, we gave as a church. We opened the House of Hope. We opened it uh, a little quicker than we thought we would, but it was divine timing. Guess what? The world shut down the next month. And like, well, we ain't having church like we used to have church. Let's be the church in a way we've never been the church. Let's start giving away everything we can. And so naturally speaking, listen, we should have been able to feed a couple hundred thousand meals, naturally. But here's the supernatural part, is that during the pandemic, a lot of churches on the KCK, east side, all over the metro, didn't have their paperwork in order, so they could get none of the help that we got. We were in order. We directed things. And so what did we do? We were able to be the food bank to the food banks. We were the heroes to the pastors who looked like the heroes to their church because it ain't about us. And we were able to take a couple hundred thousand, literally just unload it right off of our truck and put it on their cars and in their trucks. That's how we got to two million meals. It was a natural followed by a supernatural. We got an order. Almighty God showed up and did something we could never do in our own ability. Jesus says, well, what should we do then? What should we do? John's gospel says Jesus already had it in his mind what he was going to do. Oh, man, this verse excites me. Because when I get to the end of myself and I get myself in order, I get prepared for what God wants me to participate in. It means God's not then like, oh, okay, you, you finally did that. Okay, well, well, let me think of what I'm gonna do for you. No, Jesus already has in mind exactly what he wants to do. He already knows how to solve your situation. He already knows the career move that he's gonna bring into your life. He already knows the reconciliation between family members that he's going to accomplish. He's just waiting you to get close to him, get to the end of yourself, do the things you can do because faith gets ready and then he has a reward what's already in his mind. How many know Jesus is not sweating this situation? What do you have right now? Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? How much bread is in the crowd? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, man, uh, one kid, one kid's got five small loaves of bread and two fish. To be this miracle church that changes the city is not about the great big thing. It's about the little things handed over, leveraged into the hand of God. We have to start with what we do have. And some of you, it's time for you to quit being a spectator and get in on the mission of Jesus through the local church, if not ours, somewhere. If you haven't been to Next Steps and find out how to get on a place and a space where you're known and you're needed and we're activating God opportunities together, you are missing out on the best part of church, which isn't just receiving, it's participating back in community and generosity and serving humanity all around us. Because I think it's time for us as believers to rise up and fight some bigger battles and pick some bigger problems to solve that we can't do alone that we need us together united and the supernatural power of God. Remember, Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. You know who's with God? We are. So in the end of our own ability comes the opportunity for God's supernatural strength and provision. Let's get in the place where we need his help. Thirdly, this one's the hard one. We gotta give God what he asks for. We get out of the way of humility. We can't figure it out, God. I'm gonna put into order that which I can control. And then I'm gonna give to God whatever he's asking. 
When I say the word give, many of you just think give money. Uh, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about whatever God's asking. Some of you, God wants to give forgiveness to someone in your life. The reason he cannot open up the bountiful blessing and harvest of heaven is because you still got something you're holding against somebody else. Somebody, uh, what's holding you back is that you've never told somebody a deep, dark secret of pain and your problems in your life. And it just, the enemy's eating you alive on the inside. And the Bible says when we confess our sins to one another, pray for each other, we are healed. He's wanting to bring healing and restoration in your life. And he's asking that of you. And it wasn't, it wasn't much that, they, that was offered to them. Like they all, all they came back with was five barley loaves and a couple of fish. Poor kid. Didn't even have a snack pack. There wasn't a fruit roll-up or a Capri Sun. Like he didn't have very much. And I would bet this. I wasn't there. Newsflash. <laughs> but I would bet you there was more in the crowd. I mean, 5,000 men. And nobody had like a little hummus with them. <laughs> nobody had a little falafel in the back of their cloak. Come on. How many know not everybody came ill-prepared? But it was a kid. It was one. It says, okay, God, here you go. The most meager little lunch multiplied, multiplied miraculously to feed maybe 10,000 plus people. There's probably better food out there, but there wasn't a better heart than that little boy that was willing to say, okay, if that's what you're asking for, I know I, I, I came prepared, but here you go. You can have my portion. This little guy was not the hero because he bought the best meal, but because he gave his best to God. I don't know about you, that excites me. That I don't have to have the best to give to the one who's gonna do the best through what I have. And Jesus took the five loaves, it said, and the two fish, he blessed the food. When you learn to hand things over to God, whether it's relationships, your resources, your time, or your talent, when you hand it over to God, it becomes blessed. And then he broke the food, broke the loaves, and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people, the people that were the promised land in that moment. The little bit began to multiply supernaturally, and everyone all of a sudden knows there's one meal that's now becoming thousands of meals, all because one little boy came to Jesus and says, you can have mine. You can have my little. You can have my meager. How counter culture to the world is this way of thinking. That normally when you're covered, that's their problem, not your problem. Normally when you're doing well, oh, ah, sorry, that's your situation, not my situation. But if humanity struggles, we all struggle. Why? Because we have to carry the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father looks out of the people that are spiritually malnourished. Their marriage is malnourished, spiritually starving. Their faith is in famine. We look at the broken situations. It's not all about humanitarian work. We do that. We love that. But the greatest work is a saved soul and a changed life. It's not like, oh, we're saved, and that's their problem, the sinners out there. No, we have a move with compassion just like Jesus. And I promise you, as a born-again believer, that's inside your heart. You may have allowed a hard exoskeleton of infighting on Facebook and problems in your family or situations uh, cover over that supple heart for God that when you see a problem, God wants you to be solution. 
And so we start looking around at the world's problems from a different perspective. Not what is possible with me, but I'm with God. And with God, all things are possible to him who believes. So I'm going to believe for miracles. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the end of my own ability. I'm going to get my stuff in order. I'm going to give God what he's asking of me. We get to be the miracle in this mission. And the final one is this. It sounds generic, but I'm going to teach you what it looks like. You got to use your faith. You got to use your faith. You have a faith to humble out and trust that God's listening. You got a faith to get your stuff in order. You got a faith to give God what he's asking. And then you have a faith that stands expecting, that stands believing that God's going to do what only he can do. Using your faith to me is always a risk. There's always a move. There's always an unknown portion to it. It's a sacrifice. It's a surrender. If you want to know if you're in faith, I normally listen to what you're saying. If what you're saying is just repeating the problem to a more dire situation, or are you declaring the promise of God over that situation? Uh, something between the heart of faith and your head, there's a middle ground called your mouth. And I'm not saying you can speak out everything into existence. I do believe the Bible says in our heart we believe and by faith we confess. And so what we start doing is in this community and in this church and in your connect group, and this week as we pray, we're gonna declare the promises of God over the situation. We're gonna use our faith. And even when we don't feel like it, the world's not changed. Mountains aren't moved by feelings. Mountains are moved by faith. The world's moved by faith. Your marriage is healed by faith. Your career moves forward by faith. Your kids come back to Jesus because of faith. We're gonna believe, we're gonna do everything that we can naturally, and then we're gonna believe and declare God's promises over these problems, not just in our own life, but in the world around us. And we believe faith is simply this. It's trusting God to be faithful. And how many know we have a faithful God? It's everything we can do in our own ability, and then all we're waiting on is God's faithfulness to show up. We don't always like his timing, but we can trust his results because he's faithful. Every week we're praying, every day this week, we're praying for our faith to grow. When's the last time you prayed that? God, grow my faith. God, grow my faith. Help me to see this earth like you see it through the perspective of heaven. Grow my faith. And normally when you pray that prayer, God's gonna give you an action step that might cost you something because he's gonna test your faith. And when you pass that little test of faith, you're gonna grow. And you're gonna grow more as a man or woman, or woman of God of faith. And then there's gonna be another test. And God's gonna keep doing this until it is kingdom come, until your house is a house of miracles until every breakthrough that he's been wanting to accomplish through your life and in your life becomes the reality and the place where you now stand. He will grow your faith if you ask him. This little boy, verse 42, brings his food. Jesus prays, it multiplies, and everyone ate and had enough. More than enough, 12 baskets of leftovers. The disciples who only brought a problem and tried to get rid of the situation they actually had a basket full piece because they got to be the original holders of the miracle that mattered for other people. This is how God's divine system works. It is not just enough. In the long run, it's more than enough. If you don't have enough time, give it to God. Watch, he'll multiply it. If you don't have enough talent, 
You do your work under the Lord. You might not like your boss. Guess what? The Bible says God's your boss. You do your work under the Lord. He's watching. He's rewarding. You use what you've got, and your little begins to multiply. You don't like the status and the climate of your marriage. You love anyway. You serve anyway. You believe anyway. Watch and see. God multiplies blessing and favor in that place. Because whatever we totally give over to God, he multiplies and blesses in return. And we keep waiting for God just to do something for us. But if you want to see the miracle, you be the miracle. Let God do something through you. God works through people. That's what you need to learn out of this. He works through people. God could have fed them from bread falling from the sky. He did it for 40 years. He was a good deliverer. Bring the manna every day. But God says, no, in this new covenant, I work through the church. I work through people like you. I, I, I want you to get in on the blessing. Could I do it without you? Yeah, but I won't. I do it through you. Could God save our city without us? Yeah, but he won't. He's gonna through us and other Jesus-centered churches in the metro. Could God feed the hungry this weekend without us? Sure, but we got to be a part of the miracle. Because who experienced the real blessing? The people that we bless or the, that we get to be blessed to be a blessing to humanity that's around us. Last thought is this. This is one of the two feedings that are miraculous. You know that? Like, if you flip over your page in some of the Gospels, you'll see after the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. It's kind of cool. Jesus did it again. But it's cool because the proximity. The feeding of the 5,000, it's in Bethesda, which is God country. This is for the Jews. And the feeding of the 4,000, it's in uh, the Gesserines, the Decapolis. You remember the place where that guy was naked and was like cutting himself and Jesus was like, demons, go! And the pigs were like, okay. <laughs> it was in that place. And that guy tried to follow Jesus. Jesus said, no, 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 stay here. Be, be a witness. Be my missionary to your messed up people. I love that God did the miracle for his people and then to the outsiders. And this is why I say that. I say because if you need a miracle and your faith is running on fumes, that God wants to do it in you first. That God wants to bring something to his sons and daughters first. And then after that, it isn't just about us. He wants to multiply it to the unbelieving world around us. The miracle comes to us, but then the miracle flows through us. It's not just about our blessing. It's about breakthrough and bringing heaven to earth in Kansas City and beyond for the glory of God, not this church and not your life. It's about the mission of Jesus that is bigger than us. Two plus million people in our city, hungry, hungry. Hungry hearts, unsatisfied souls, hungry, starving in their spirit malnourished in their marriage, family in famine, we get to feed. Why? We're disciples. We take the little and we get first dibs on seeing the miracle of multiplication. And it's time. It's time for us. I'm declaring it is kingdom come time for us. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything. A season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to fight and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. 
a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. 28 different times and seasons that Solomon writes about. And we have a time before us right now, a unique time. Listen, every day is a unique day, but this is a unique season in all of humanity. What do we do after we've all been shut down and in fear? Where do we go after we've been locked away? What do we do with the problems and the, the issues of the heart, the soul, and the mind? They've been bombarded, not just on our city, on the nation and the world these last couple of years. I believe it's our time. I'm absolutely convinced it's our time to build up that this is a house of miracles. I love that it says there's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. We've been in, we've been in a couple years of scattering, a couple years of tearing down, infighting and disunion, people out of the habit of coming to God's house. The Bible says that we're living stones. The foundation is Jesus. The apostles were the next tier. Now it's us, the New Covenant Church, the New Testament Church. He's putting us together like living stones, piece by piece. And we've had a couple years of scattering. Not just us, everyone on the planet. And now it's a gathering time. And we've been torn down, all sorts of barriers and problems. There's been a revealing of hurts and heartaches. There's been fighting galore. But guess what? Now it's time to build. And so when we've been scattered and we've been isolated, now we get united and we get together and we get on the foundation of the greatest thing going for all time. That's the church of Jesus Christ, living for the mission of Jesus Christ. And where everything was torn down once, now it's getting built up. For the last decade plus, this church was started with 35 young people. And let me tell you, they were some rolling stones. And God has built it. And here we are for such a time as this. It's a time to build. It's a time to gather. It's a time to bring it together. And it is a house of miracles that God is building here. Do you believe that? Why don't you stand your feet on the plaza up north? And let's kick off our prayer rally this week. We're praying for God to do a miracle in us first, through us next. Can you join me in that prayer? Come on. Father God, I thank you for every heart and every life. In fact, why don't you do this? If you need a miracle in your situation or your family, why don't you in the plaza up north, why don't you just raise your hand? Minute Lansing, just raise your hand. Come on, if you got someone whose hand's up next to you, put your hand on their shoulder. Come on, let's get united in faith. We need miracles in this house. Father God, I thank you, every lifted hand, they've already said by that action of humility that they can't do it on their own. They've gotta have you. Lord, I thank you, you direct their steps, you order their steps, and they're gonna come to you. I think you're gonna ask them for a step of sacrifice that shows the status of their faith. Lord, I think that they have the humility to follow and obey. And then we're gonna live by faith. And that's what we're declaring, that every lifted hand is a heart, a situation, a relationship, a career, a resource, a supernatural healing that's needed for your kids that you love so much. And like Jesus, how you were moved with compassion. Won't you move again? Would you move in every heart, in every situation? I pray healings in this house in Jesus' name. I think your relationships are restored in Jesus' name. I think your provision is there in Jesus' name. I think your reconciliation is happening in Jesus' name. I think your mental health 
is thriving in Jesus' name. And this is just the beginning of a miracle season. There's a time of heaven for miracles, and that time is now. So minister to the needs of your children in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe God's at work in your situation, can you give them an amen? Can you give them a thank you, God? Can you celebrate ahead for what he's going to do in your heart? Come on, let's worship together.